This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallach. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. Family. I thought you meant the things you need. What's happening, people? Bet and Breakfast Weekend Edition is here. Ben Heisler, Donovan Smoot, we're going to be hanging out with you guys for the next 30, 40 minutes or so, going over your questions ahead of all the betting action this weekend. Uh, I need to get Donovan's advice on a homeowner situation that I'm currently dealing with right now. I know that you don't own a home right now, Donovan. Not. But, no, you're, you're not. You're not paying. A I do not rent. <laughs> I do not rent yet. either. <laughs> yes, um, but I, I, I do need some advice from from you coming up. So we got Masters. Right. We got Tiger. We got NBA playing coming up. Whatever. And oh, I'm sorry, we forgot about Major League Baseball. So a ton to get into over the course of today's show today. Um, but before we get started, though, like th- this is sort of a situation that literally just started over the last couple hours. So, Donovan, I, like, I need your help with I this. I'm, I'm not really sure what to do. I feel like we talked about when we were in New York, like you're somebody that a lot of people go to for advice. They can come rely on you. I feel like I can have an open forum with you here, um, you know, get my get my thoughts out. Um, I, I think there's a bat in the wall. Okay. Okay. I think there's a bat like in this wall right here. You may hear from said bat over the course of today's show. I, I have no idea what to do. I, do I call animal control? Do I have to like try to chase the bat out like underneath my house myself? I, I Have you ever been in a situation like this? Because there is a bat and I don't know if he has a name, but he's going to completely <laughs> come out and, and haunt me. Like, you're trying to work. You're trying to put together like articles and edit while a bat's squeaking at you. Like this is terrifying. Listen, uh, you've come to the right person actually because really, um, um, because just about a month ago, I helped my dad fix uh, fix the roof because there was a hole in between it and squirrels were able to get inside the wall. Oh, um, and so, okay. so listen, I'm, I'm very uniquely um, equipped to answer this question. So what, you, what you're going to want to do is figure out, uh, you're going to want to figure out what the bats don't like. So whether it's like heat or daytime. And so when, when that time hits, that's the time to strike and you're going to have to do something. You have to do something to, to draw them out. So, okay. so you're going to have to Google call animal control, see if you can get them out. And then once you, once you go out, then you're going to have to go in. First, you have to survey the home, see where the hole is, see where they're getting in. Okay. Because there's clearly, there's clearly some, somewhere that they're coming in from. Yeah. Oh, so I, you- I think, I, I mean, if, if there's anything I've learned from watching, from watching the Batman series, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think they're coming in through the roof, right? Like they're, 
they're finding a place underground. They're finding like pure darkness mm-hmm. and they're sort of settling in there. Like our, our house is on the edge of a cul-de-sac um, and it's, we're sort of slightly uphill. So I would imagine like that's the area, right? Because you, you, got, a little bit of, you got a little bit of uphill and there's like a little bit of area for, for it to sit. Yeah, you, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to find where they're coming in from. That's the first key because okay. if you, get, if you get, listen, if you can shut down the Batcave, then if you can flood out Batman, then then everything's gonna be okay. Right. But that's the that's the first key. Okay. Is, and then, but it, if it is something with the house, go ahead get yourself some liquid foam, or liquid some foam. Li- some liquid foam or some boards, and just try to just try to patch that thing up real quick. What does liquid foam do? It's like a. It's like a, it's a spray. And so you just spray, you spray the foam and it kind of like expands. And then in like five or 10 minutes, it, uh, it hardens. And so then you can kind of like, so then after it hardens, you can kind of cut it down and like shape it to where you need it to be. And so you can, have you seen those, those videos on like, on like Twitter or TikTok where they'll go and they'll fix something with like ramen? With ramen? Yeah. Have you never seen that? No. I this is okay, this is I'll, a whole I'll, new I'll, world. For me. I'm gonna have to put you on, but like okay. so people people like go in and they'll like um, they'll take like ramen and like un, obviously uncooked and they'll shove it in in a place, cut it down to where it is, and because it's hard, you can just paint over and put a little bit of caulk on it and then keep it going. So the, so the liquid foam kind of acts like that. To where this is a whole new this is a whole new world okay so like you can basically shape it and sort of yeah. use it however you need it to get whatever is living in your house out of your house yeah. why not just use like a spray like like if you have ants like there's ant traps like could you get a bat trap or like is there a spray that would i like- mean there, prob- there probably is is a bat trap but the thing is like especially if if you're sitting right here and then you have the wall and the bats right there you're not going to want to set the trap right there because then if the bat gets into the trap and it dies now you just have a smelly bat in in the wall and that's, that's probably true. that's probably worse yes right so, <laughs> the, so. the idea of just a bat just going ahead and, and not only just living in my house but then like dying in my house exactly and, and what to do with the said bat inside and dying in my house exactly absolutely exactly okay so you get some liquid foam find the opportunity like i i would imagine that if there's again if there's any i'm, I'm taking all this knowledge that i've mm-hmm. learned from the christopher nolan batman series like batman <laughs> or batman bats <laughs> bats do not like the daytime so i feel like that would be the ideal time maybe like right after we're done on a monday like that's when i go and i like search out this bat before yeah. i pick the kids, right before i pick up the kids from 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 daycare and from school that's when exactly. i go you might have to get like the Batman, like the floodlight, and just flood it into the thing so that oh, they can that's see. Good idea. So. Oh, get the get the light where they don't want light. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's <laughs> that's really really good. Okay. By the way, if anybody that's 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 hanging out with us on YouTube on our live stream there as well as on social wants to weigh in on, on ways to get rid of a bat, please, I will take any and all suggestions because uh, he might he might weigh in. He might have tiger takes. Uh, over the course of this weekend, which, by the way, I I don't know about you, um, because like you're 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 what twenty three? Yes, I just turned twenty three. Twenty three. So Crazy. like my my early memories of Tiger, like I kind of hit me at the the sweet spot. And by the way, shout out to uh, to J O J O S D P twenty three uh, with Tiger. That's, that's my that's my guy Jose Jose Del Villar. Nice. He, he, jo- he joined the the pool. Putting it all on, on Tiger. And you know what? 
Tiger for pools right now is is actually doing exactly what you could have ever hoped him to do. Like mm-hmm. he's plus one on the tournament. Um, struggled a little bit on Friday, but I think that was reasonable to expect, given the fact that everybody struggled on Friday. Um, but at least from sort of an initial perspective, we'll get into whether or not he's worth a bet these next couple of days. Because once he's in contention, like there's not going to be anybody that says, well, he can't win it, but it's going to be a big challenge. We'll get to that coming up in just a second. But I mean, as somebody who's 23, and obviously you you get as much as anybody, the, the cultural impact that Tiger had, not just on golf, but on sports in general. And he mm-hmm. has that level of MJ in him where he's just, he's insane. Like from a competitive level, he is absolutely insane. He talked about having no days off the moment that he got out of that bed three months after the car accidents. We're talking about like 11 consecutive months and in, in, in days of training leading up to the possibility that he could play in this event. And this was still a potential diagnosis that 14 months ago, Donovan, we weren't sure if he was going to play professional golf again, let alone walk right again. Yeah. So I thought my perspective going in for the Masters was I hope Tiger gets through the round. I don't want him to go to a point where he's struggling to walk, a very difficult course to walk. I I wanted him to enjoy it. And by him enjoying it, that means playing well. But I didn't expect him to be minus one, shoot a 71 on day one. I didn't expect him to be, I I did not expect him to to, to make the cut. And, And maybe that's just a bad job on me doubting Tiger Woods. But there were so many other circumstances that were fighting against him that even though I didn't think he'd get there, he's here now. And I can't help but just marvel in what he's accomplished. Uh, listen, I was, and, and on our best bets, I was the main one saying, like, don't put any type of money on Tiger. Yeah, I was with I, you. I, I, was, I was 100% out. And what's crazy is that even though that he shot minus one, that was probably one of the best, like, minus one rounds in in a long time. Like, I that could have that could have very easily been a minus three round. Like, he had a lot of moments where you kind of saw it. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure where we go from here because he did have a have a rough Friday. It start the walking is starting to look like it's like it's weighing on him for for these last two rounds. So I'm very interested to see how he how he's just able to move around on the on the course for these last two days because you know it's five hours that you have to be up and and around and on your feet. And so if you start getting to holes 13, 14, 15, and your legs are starting to get on you, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he's gonna have it in him to finish. And that's you know, that's that's nothing on him. He's maybe his body just isn't a hundred percent ready right now. But even then he's still like you said, I don't think anybody expected him to be to look this solid yeah. in the first two rounds. And trust me, there were plenty of guys that were struggling on Friday with the wind conditions with the state of the course, like, listen, obviously it's still the masters and it's always going to be a challenge, but you had some serious wind conditions. I think the average score uh, on that day was about two and a half over pars around like a 74 and a half. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, you know, our Ian McMillan wrote this over at bedsided on Thursday afternoon. Um, 
basically indicating that there's a lot of metrics going against Tiger. And this was after he looked as good as he did on Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, he shot a 71. This is from Justin Ray Golf, a great golf statistician um, uh, that uh, you can follow at Justin Ray Golf. But uh, Ian wrote about this over at BetSided. Like Tiger Woods shot a 71 on day one, but he only hit nine out of 18 greens in regulation. It's his best score at the Masters when hitting nine or fewer greens in regulation since the opening round in 1998. As much as we want to fully embrace the fact that he is back, and again, it's the weekend and it's Tiger at Augusta and the narrative allows us to believe that anything can happen. I, it was just sheer will, man. Like he wasn't putting himself in the best position, but because of his knowledge of the course, because of how he can set up his shot and work backwards from the pin location back to where he's driving, like everything works in his favor, even though the metrics may not like, you know how I am. You know that I tend to be more metrically. I, I tend to play more than numbers as opposed mm -hmm. to, to gut feel on a lot of these things. I don't know if I can do that with Tiger because I think he has outperformed all the different metrics leading up to this point. And to back that up, there have been all sorts of studies in golf that talk about the lead up to the masters and over four months consecutively, if you're averaging, I think it's 0.22, this is from data golf, 0.22 strokes per round in the positive fashion, as well as having at least uh, six to 10 years of masters experience. That is the peak opportunity for you to win the masters tournament. And everything's kind of going against that, right? Scotty Scheffler been playing great golf, but this is only his third Masters. And then you have Tiger on the other side who hasn't played any golf since the 2020 Masters, fully in contention. This might be a situation where you just say, damn the numbers, I, I have to go ahead and make a play. Yeah, I think 2019 was the moment that for the rest of Tiger's career, I think you just have to throw numbers out the window. Yeah. I, I, especially in, in majors. I think 2019 was, was the moment where everyone's like, okay, he can – he can still do it. There's still a little bit left in there that can push him over over the edge. And so, again, he we didn't know if he was going to play professional golf at all. And so the fact that he's here in this moment doing what he's doing, you kind of just have to shake your head and just say, like, this is crazy. And so everything that you thought that you knew about what it what it takes to be successful at Augusta, that, that doesn't matter when it comes to Tiger because he's just different. He's a different feel. And even people who are playing with him, and they'll start they'll start to see when if we get to if we get to you know late on Sunday, and Tiger's creeping up the leaderboard, you're gonna start hearing hearing the roar a little bit more on every putt. You're gonna start just feel the tension a little bit, and so things are just different with him right now. So I, I'm with you. I and I'm I'm gonna tell you for the next two rounds, just throw the numbers out. It's okay. Like I personally, and I would say this. I'm not rooting against Tiger, but I'm also not rooting for Tiger. Okay. Um, but if Tiger is, is your guy, just just accept the moment that you're in right now because it is really fun to watch. No doubt. So here are his latest odds over at WinBet. He's 110 to 1 to win mm -hmm. the Masters. And we've seen him fluctuate. They also have, like, this is also, I think, an indication that we need to consider. Like, their entire liability is basically on Tiger and one other guy was on Max Homa. Um, yeah. But Tiger Woods uh, had 84% of the betting tickets to make the cut and 85% of the handle to make the cut. So they, they lost a sizable amount on Tiger making the cut. 
if he wins the Masters, it won't just be win bet. It'll be every single sports book under exactly. the sun that's going, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Um, but, I mean, are you surprised that even though he's still sitting in 19th, and granted, it's still, um, you know, he's plus one, Scotty Scheffler's at minus eight, uh, so he's nine strokes back. Are you surprised that he's still even available at that number, knowing that if he plays well today, then that liability is going to go from here, which is already really high, to top of the wall. Like, right. there's no yeah. coming back down from it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not really surprised. Um, what I will say is, and like you said, he's still nine strokes back. So he's going to have to come out and just dominate today. He's, go- he's going to have to have a legendary round to put himself in contention because – Scotty's as well as Scheffler yeah. struggling, which because there's no signs of him doing that. Anytime. He's not playing around. He's he's serious, and so I mean, what, what I forget what Scotty shot. I think he shot minus five yesterday. Good, yeah. He was right? him and Justin Thomas that shot a, a 67. They were the best two scores on the day. Yeah. So so you so if you're Tiger, like you would have to shoot. You guys would have to flip. You would have to need Scotty to shoot either par or plus one. And then you have to shoot a 67 just to be within four or five strokes going into Sunday. That's, that's hard. And so I don't think, I think that the sports books are good. I don't think that, that they're going to, um, that they're going to take this huge hit. But like I said, just two minutes ago, you kind of have to throw everything out the window at this point and see what Tiger can do today. By the way, I'm surprised that you didn't shout out your guy, Scotty Scheffler. That's that's a UT guy. Listen, I I, w- I went against him in the in the pool, and so and so every time I see him make birdies, I'm like, dang, I should have I should have hopped on on the wave. I can't I can't jump on the bandwagon now. That would make me fake. Yeah, he's a hundred percent locked in. And I mean, I wrote about it a little bit uh, earlier today over at Betside. Like, there's if you're going to head ahead to try to find. Like, let's put it from this perspective. He's at even money to win the Masters mm-hmm. at 36 holes. You typically don't see something like that happen with a five-stroke lead. Um, you know, taking a look at, at sort of the guys that that he's ahead of over at WinBet, you have Scotty Shuffler right now at even money. Um, following him, Shane Lowry, who is sitting in second. He's tied for second. Cam Smith at 13-1. Dustin Johnson at 14 to one Hideki Matsuyama last year's winner at 15 to one along with Justin Thomas, plenty of other names uh, and notables to, to track there as well. But I mean, the, the difference right now in the guys that can catch up with Scheffler is fairly sizable, but I wrote about three of them and I'm curious to get your perspective here. Um, the first guy that I, I think can actually legitimately make a move to catch him is Shane Lowry. Lowry's coming in at 12 to one. He is in second tied with Charles Schwartzel, who coming into the masters and he's won the masters before, I believe it was 2013. Uh, Schwartzel was among the last, like he had missed, I think three or four consecutive cuts, just been a complete and total disaster, but he gets back to Augusta and he's found his form. But again, I don't know if I can rely on that through the weekend when the longer story has told me that this is somebody that isn't just going to immediately find their form over the course of one tournament. He might hang around, but I wouldn't bet on him to contend. And odds makers believe that as well. Right now they've listed Schwartzel despite being in second place at 75 to one, but Lowry is different. 
the last time Lowry had this good of a, of a position in a major was 2019 at the open championship. And he ended up winning that championship, uh, took the lead, never let it go. And this is somebody that also does really well in windy conditions. He had his best round of his career at the masters last year. Shane Lowry to me, like is sitting in a really good spot where he was really consistent. I don't think he, I think he played bogey free golf the other day. Um, I think Lowry is in a really good spot where I'm sorry, the, a bogey on, on, on hole one, but then mm -hmm. birdies the rest of the way. I, I think the consistency right now is something that you want with the conditions at Augusta. So Shane Lowry, probably one of my favorite plays uh, to go ahead and make some noise. Other two guys that I like uh, on the board as well to, to make a run over at Augusta today, Justin Thomas, um, terrible start in round one. Um, you know, I wrote about how Rory McIlroy was somebody that, Rounds one in majors since 2015, 30 over par. Rounds two through four since 2015 at majors, 60 under par. Like Justin Thomas kind of said, I'm going to go ahead and put on my Rory hat. Um, but he went from a 76, a four over on day one, to a five under on, in day two. So he's currently sitting uh, a handful of strokes back. Like that's somebody that's as locked in as Scheffler. And if he can keep it going as somebody who knows Augusta really well, I think he makes a move. And then the last one that I like is Corey Connors at 65 to one. Connors is only in 10th place. Like he's currently only at plus one for the tournament. And he was one of my favorite bets going into the weekend. I think we chose him collectively on our best bets video as sort of that last guy in our tier. Top two finishes the last couple of years at the Masters is looking like he's going to be three straight this year. Um, even though he had um, he shot over par on day two, it was just bogeys at 16 and 17. Otherwise, we're talking about Corey Connors in that same tier of guys that we have with everybody else. So uh, amongst those three, was there any that, that maybe stood out to you? I think all of those you can make legitimate bets on and feel like, okay, there's good value here for them to make a comeback. Yeah, I really like the Justin Thomas pick. I, I think you can, to, to completely flip you know, the, the way that everything was going in, in round two for him is, is huge. Um, I think you need you need a little bit of, of momentum going into round three. And so for, for just that, I think that's that's good. I had two names I wanted to throw out to you and see what you yeah. thought. Um, so Hideki Matsuyama, okay. who is who's minus, minus three right now, but he's also plus 1,500 at, at Wimbet. And then uh, Sungjae Im, who's also tied for second right now, he's plus 2,200. Yeah. And so I think that with him, I like I like the Sanjay pick a little bit more just because I, you can get a little bit more value for him. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of surprised to see him that far down and have that much separation. What do, what do you think about those two guys to potentially come in and, and catch Scotty? I think Im is really interesting because yeah. he's one of the streakier dudes on tour. I remember uh, maybe a year and a half or so ago, actually it might've been right around the pandemic. It was going, I'm sorry, it was going into the pandemic uh, that Sung J.M. was playing some of the best golf of his life, fully locked in. And then the pandemic kind of messed that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you kind of saw sort of the two different versions of himself, rounds one and rounds two over at Augusta. Um, you know, day two, really, really tough stretch on the back nine. He had, uh, five bogeys on the back nine, but he also had two birdies. Um, you know, got off to a, a solid start in round one. Uh, he had three birdies on his first three holes. 
Then he had uh, another one on seven back-to-back bogeys to start the turn on the back nine. Like he struggled on the back nine, uh, but he also has an Eagle on 13 um, to get himself to the point where he could be the first round leader. If there's somebody that has enough talent to be able to, to get to that point. Yeah. Like both of those guys are, are fully there. But the reason I think I like him a little bit more than Matsuyama is M's ability to get really streaky in a positive direction, start off his round really, really well. Remember, he's had back-to-back birdies on three, and he had the great start in round one. Um, and, and as for Matsuyama, like, yes, he's still second, and I think anybody that had some major concerns about his injury, uh, that's sort of been laughed off, but I, I do think it could take a bit of a toll on him as well. And I still wonder if you're overpaying a little bit for him because of the fact that he won it last year it's really hard to win the masters it's very very difficult to win it year after year but i mean to put him put another green jacket on himself would be kind of cool so i i certainly think both of them are in play but if i had to choose one over the other i would take the guy that could really make that streak uh in some jm so i think he's definitely somebody that's in play i like that Uh, yeah i like i like that a lot i think i'm with you on on that one i I just think that there's there's a lot of value especially at at plus 22 22 to 1 right now to, to get that master. So I, I'm, I'm glad you, you feel that way too. I, I think the the only tough part that we need to figure out is like, is Scheffler going to find a way to let it go? I, if he were somebody coming into the masters that had been struggling or was still looking for like that first big win, then yeah, I think five strokes is absolutely over the course of a week and doable, but there have only been five times in masters history where somebody's had a five-stroke lead at the end of 36 holes, only one of them has given up that lead, and that was back in the 1930s. So, like, we're talking about a very small sample to begin with. I almost wonder, like, if the real question is, is Scotty Scheffler at even money a good bet to win? Like, if you feel confident in the fact that he's not going to let it go as the current number one ranked golfer in the world, maybe that's the play. It's not as fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, but this is the last time that you can get Scotty. I think the moment Scotty, the moment Scotty is no longer even money. And once he starts going into minus odds, I think you have to like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't think that the value would be there. Even, like, even if you were to win, I just like the, I like the plus money aspect of it right now. So here's here's the latest on, on the Masters leaderboard as we go live right now, and it's around uh, 11.26 a.m. Eastern time. Scheffler and Charles Schwartzel are set to tee off at 2.50 Eastern time today. Um, right now, there's nobody in the early portion of the day that's done anything that's been wildly impressive. You have three guys that are minus one on the day through two, three, and four holes. Um, but right now, it's... It's still tough conditions. It's still, you know, the masters. Um, but there's nobody that's like gotten off to a blistering start that's set to challenge him. I wonder if you wait on Scheffler to see if anybody starts to slowly creep up or you follow somebody that's like on a, a massive track on the front nine. Um, and then maybe that's a live bet that you can consider, especially if Scheffler, if Scheffler maybe gets off to a slow start. Um, but you're also banking on him starting off slow, and he hasn't really done that either. Um, yeah. Actually, I take that back. He got off to a plus one on round two. He bogeyed holes one through th- one and three before going uh, 
he had, uh, let's see, six birdies after that. And then on, on round one, he didn't have his, he had his lone bogey at 18 where he fired a 69. So it's a fascinating aspect. Again, it's, do you want to bet golf at, at even money? That's not necessarily what makes golf betting fun, but I think it's certainly. <laughs> so we'll yeah. continue to follow it over at BetSided. Uh, Scheffler at even money with a five stroke lead. Very intriguing. But as we mentioned, there are some guys uh, that can definitely catch up to him as well. Uh, one other area that uh, I, I know I want to get your take on before we dive into best bets for today is we got uh, a lot of scenarios starting to play out for the NBA play in tournament, which starts on Tuesday. So for, for anybody that's curious and, and still sort of not sure on, on how the NBA playoff or play in format works is, is the seeds one through six in the Eastern and the Western conference, they lock up those playoff seeds. They're good. It's seven through 10 that play in a play in tournament to determine who ends up playing the two seed and who ends up playing the one seed. So the ninth seed and the 10th seed, uh, which in the East is the Hawks and the Hornets as of now in the West is the Pelicans and the Spurs. Those two teams will play each other in the first game. The teams from the seven and eight seed, which in the East are the Nets and the Cavs and the Pel and the uh, Timberwolves and the Clippers, they play each other as well. The loser of that game will play the winner of the nine versus 10 game to then determine the eight seed. If you're the seven or the eighth seed and you win that first round game, you're the seventh seed. So Nets and Cavs, if the Nets win that game, they're the seventh seed likely to play Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. So that, does that, that all makes sense? Did I, did I explain it fairly yes. well? Yes. Okay. So with all that being in mind, knowing that every team is basically locked into those play-in spots, um, although there could be a little bit of, of movement there, you could possibly see the Cavaliers uh, host the Nets as opposed to the other way around. Um, I, I think in the West, everything is, is basically all set up to go. Yeah. Is there a team on either side that you feel is in the best position possible for play-in rounds? And consequently, on the other side, what about a team that, regardless of where they end up being seated, it just doesn't seem to be a good fit for them? Um, okay, so so I'll start with, with the negative. So I think that regardless of where they end up, I think Cleveland is in the worst position possible uh, because – if they stay in seven, which they likely will, they have to they have to play. Oh no, they actually lost the tiebreaker, so they're actually going to have to go on the road to Brooklyn again. Yes. They're the try, right? Yes, they're going to have to try and go on the road to Brooklyn and try to beat the Nets, and that's a tough spot. And so let's just say that, that they lose that game, they're going to have to play the winner of the Hawks Hornets. You're going to have to deal with powerful offenses from both sides. Trey Young is Trey Young is outstanding. Right, Trey Young is is an All NBA guy, and so you're gonna have to deal with him without Jared Allen, and that that's gonna be tough down low. Or you can go and play the Hornets, who now that they have Gordon Hayward back, are finally like a functional team again. So that that's gonna be tough for them. Obviously, the best team team that's in the best position is the Brooklyn Nets. Yada yada. yada. Like I I'm so mad <laughs> that the Nets are like coming together and that they that they look solid. I'm especially mad because they're probably going to play the Bucks in the first round. Yeah. And I, I feel so bad for Milwaukee because it's just like you're the reigning champs, you're the two seed, you've done all of this, and now you have to go play Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to start the playoffs, and that just sucks 
that 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 really sucks for them. Which when truly, if they were there, Chicago probably should have been in the in the play in. If Brooklyn Based was on how set, they've been playing as of late, exactly. been, they they look awful. Exactly, they're, they're first round next to win. Like they're gonna if if Boston plays Chicago, Boston's gonna sweep Chicago if that three six matchup holds. There's a possibility that the Bulls could maybe steal Game Three at home. Like if DeRozan goes nuts and Levine plays well, and I, what I, I it's 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 remarkable to me that. Lonzo Ball was the glue that held everything together. Lonzo or they had just been playing above their skis and nobody gave them a chance. And then real basketball happened and they folded. It's with a Billy Donovan coach team, I did not expect that. I did not expect them to look as fragile and as bad as they have been down the stretch. Um, like Alex Caruso is a really solid defensive player and he can play a nice role, but like you can't look at him and be that's that's a difference maker. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a really good player, but well, know them and, and no ball. You, you like other teams have dealt with injuries this year too. You can't fold the way that they have. They've looked terrible. In fairness to Caruso, the Lakers have also fallen apart. I know there's a lot of other circumstances that have gone on with the a lot Lakers. Of other circumstances. I, I understand, but they need Caruso. The Lakers needed Caruso more than more than they needed like Russell Westbrook or something like that. Well, that, that goes without question. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent behind you yeah. there. Like it would have been a far better they deal. Rather have, they would rather have Caruso than THT playing all those minutes. Yes. <laughs> Un, unequivocally. But that you can't, you can't look as. Of course. They, they, of course. they, I think they allowed Charlotte to make their first what 11 shots yesterday. Char- I, Charlotte's a good offense, but try Try exactly. the defensive side, this, and this is the problem. The the version of the Bulls that we're seeing right now, this is what I thought they were going to look like at the beginning of the year because I just wasn't sure. I wasn't going to sure defensively how everything was was going to get out. I mean, you have Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic all starting, and so I was like, how how is this going to work when three of your five guys you're going to have to try and hide on defense, and you have and then your top two defensive players are are Lonzo and Caruso who can defend wings, but they're they're low-key like undersized if you if you're talking about defending threes and fours and so it just wasn't going to be the best situation so um i feel listen i, I don't feel bad but they they're, they're gonna they're going to get swept I, yeah, I, it almost I, works I, out it almost works out better if you're boston to to be in the in in that spot right now to well, be in three to end up facing as opposed to the two spot where you'd have to play either milwaukee or likely brooklyn that is true. The three spot is actually the most coveted spot because if you're in two, you're going to have to play Brooklyn. If you're in four, especially if you're Philly and Boston, you're going to have to play Toronto. Yes. And so Philly, Batiste Ibel does not have the shot. And so he will not be eligible. Jalen Brown and I think Al Horford are both on the no shot wave. So they, <laughs> so they will not be able to play in Toronto. And that's a big deal. That's a big Huge deal. Job. If you have to go and play, the Raptors are crazy because they have all this length, but if you have to go and play Siakam and Scotty Barnes and OG and Fred Van Vliet, and you don't have Jalen Brown or Al Horford to combat that, and now you're asking Tatum to drop 50 every night, that's hard. So they Boston better hope that they secure this number three spot because they do not want to go to Toronto. It's pretty remarkable. And, and listen, like I, I get – Canada stands. I, I, I'm almost very much in, in supportive of it, 
but it, it's remarkable to think that you're still playing and entering a playoff without the same rules and regulations for every player. You know what I mean? Like it's, they're doing the responsible thing, but it, like you can't have a playoff series like that. You, you might have to like play in a bubble if, the, if that's the situation, but I I'm, I'm, I'm almost kind of stunned that it's gotten to this point where Toronto can, can allow those precedents to, to set in um, and the league not take any sort of reaction to it. Well, I mean, like, listen, Adam Silver was able to put the pressure on Eric Adams, but, like, what is he going to do to Canada? Like, they, coming out of a pandemic, like, they don't care about basketball like that. They're trying to save lives. Like, they don't <laughs> – have. What, they have, what they have, Canada no... is doing is not wrong. I agree with the stance. It's just you know, like, surprising it's just... to me that you could have a situation in Canada where several players could not end up playing because the game is in Canada. That's, yeah. that's remarkable. That's 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 crazy. But I get I guarantee you they are not thinking about the NBA when they're talking about these rules. That's true. All right. So <laughs> you talked about the team in, in the worst possible scenario, which is which is Cleveland. Um and you also mentioned sort of the, the tough part about Milwaukee too, although they're not necessarily in that in that faction. They're going to be the yeah. two seed most yeah. likely. Yeah. Um yeah. is there is there a scenario in which there's a, a play in game or a play in team that benefits the most right now? Um because I, I can give you mine, I, I'm curious to. to yeah, get I, I want I want to hear yours because I'm not I'm not too sure I, outside of Brooklyn. I'm not too sure. Okay, I I think the the teams that are in the seven and eight spot in Minnesota and the Clippers are in a really good spot because we know that one of those two teams will play Memphis in the first round, and Memphis is a remarkable team. Um, I, I'm John Moran's an absolute stud. Jared Jackson Jr. should be Defensive Player of the Year. But you'd much rather play Memphis than the Phoenix Suns, and you'd much rather play Memphis than the Golden State Warriors. Um, those two teams, I think, have a legitimate chance to move on to the next round because Memphis is still trying to, to figure themselves out as well. They're a better team. They're going to be heavily favored, but it's not a team that I would go out and say amongst all the top teams in the East that they're the most guaranteed to move on from either of these matchups. Like, I think Minnesota or the Clippers could very much be live in that series. That's that's tough. I you you talk about trying to figure themselves out. Minnesota's needs to figure themselves out. Minnesota yeah, they've had a rough stretch as of late. They've had a rough stretch, and they haven't been to the playoffs since Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. right? And before then, it was about fifteen or sixteen years. So I think I would. So so if Minnesota and, and Memphis ended up playing, are you taking Minnesota in that series? I think it would have to depend on the odds. With, the, with say, a healthy jaw? With a healthy jaw, probably, probably not. But if you're asking me, like, if I was looking at the actual NBA playoff matchups in the mm-hmm. West, and you're saying, okay, of all these other teams between Phoenix and, say, uh, you know, the Pelicans or the Spurs, if one of those teams ended up making out, obviously Phoenix. Really, I, it doesn't matter who Phoenix plays. I like them to move on. Um, Dallas, I, I love much more than Utah. We've talked about that before. I think the Warriors will, will take care of the Nuggets. Um, and, and I think if you're asking me, like, which of the teams is most likely to pull off an upset in the first round of the West, it would probably be either be the Clippers or, or the Timberwolves. Like, I'll probably pick Chalk, but I, it wouldn't stun me to see Memphis have, have a first round exit. And they've been great all year. Like, it would stun me. It would stun me. It would stun if- me. It, if it would, either of those two teams pulled it off. If the if the Clippers 
if the Clippers were able to beat Memphis in a seven-game series, it would shock me. If Minnesota did it, it would certainly shock me. I mean, this this is like this is the Timberwolves we're talking about. Yeah. Like I don't like, I, and I don't been, and they've been crushed for a long time for inability for inability to be tough and physical and and know how to play half court playoff style basketball with minute yeah. with with Memphis that's not necessarily the case I'm just trying to evaluate it from like a matchup yeah, by matchup basis you know what I mean like yeah if I, you had to go that route and you had to choose one upset in the first round what, what would you take what Denver over over Golden State because of the Warriors issues like Denver's had their I, issues all year too I think that we have to see the health of Steph Curry because that's actually where I was going is oh interesting okay I I think that the Warriors are the most interesting team in the West. Um, I think that they just have a lot going on with them. And so they're either going to be this – they're either going to be a first-round exit or I think they can make the finals. I I think if they put everything together and you you finally have a healthy Steph, Clay, Dre, that that trio can carry you to to the finals. But if Steph is still a little bit off, I can kind of see a scenario where Jokic goes crazy for for like six games, and um, because they, they don't have to guard him. Yeah, they they can't they can't do anything. And if if Monte Morris and Bones Highland actually decide to shoot to shoot well, I I I can kind of see Denver taking that series. Especially, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with Golden State. How is Clay going to perform? No like this, this Clay. Wow, I'm sorry, my second on. monitor is actually going <laughs> on. This is crazy. I, I thought it was something on my end. I was about to like retweet something, and I thought no. that the uh, <laughs> I thought that something else was coming through. No, no it was my right. my second monitor. No, but uh, but yeah. So there's a lot of issues that go on with with Golden State with Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, those types of things. HBO so I think, um, yeah, I, I just think that the Denver has a chance. It's Jokic, and he's the deserving MVP. So it's hard for me to really argue that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, your your monitor starting to I know. become the, the star of the show today. That's all right. Um, I, I, I see that argument. I, I just look at how they've been throughout most of the year when they're locked in. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking that the Warriors have just been kind of waiting for the playoffs to start. It, it's not a, it, it's not a cakewalk against Denver, but we also know the numbers of how bad they are when Jokic is off the floor. And, and our guy, Peter Dewey has done a really good job of monitoring that That's his guy, the course yeah. of the year. Right. And in making the, the MVP argument. So I, I, it's possible that Jokic could take over a series, but I, if you're Golden State, like you know, like you, you almost kind of let him beat you and then just beat the hell out of everybody else mm-hmm. because he can only do so much on his own. And if Golden State's defense plays up to their capabilities, one through four, and nobody else on Denver does anything, like even Jokic should go for fifty every night, you know, fifty, twenty, and ten, and they still won't win. Well, that's that's the thing. You want to keep him. You let him go 50, 50 and 20, but you don't want him to get to 10. You want to keep him around five. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can keep Jokic at 50, 20, and five, then maybe that's more manageable than 50, 20, and 12 and, and having all these other shooters go off. Uh, but I, 
I, I don't know. I'm waiting for the Warriors to turn it on. And there's just been a point where they just haven't looked the same. And like Steph's shooting hasn't been as spectacular. And so there's a little part of me that's just wondering is, you know, like, is it are they, yeah, are, is are, that are they, alive? Yeah. Are they, are they going to be able to turn it on? Or is this just the new Warriors? That's fascinating, man. Like the once that actual series goes down, I you will see. I think more competitive. You have a lot of answers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's one hundred percent in play. So you're right. You're going with uh, with the Nuggets as the possibility of a first round upset. I'll, I'll go with the the winner of, of the Timberwolves and the Clippers. Not saying that we'll bet them, but if we had to choose one series where we think that there is a vulnerable favorite. Those are the two that we're probably going with. All right, speaking of vulnerable favorites, we got uh, a couple of bets on the board for today. We always like to end bet and breakfast with our best bets of the night. Yes, uh, since we are talking NBA, Donovan, I'll kick things off with you, and then I will come back to the world of golf uh, with the bet that you can still make today uh, before these guys tee off over at Augusta National. So tell me who you like tonight. I like the Clippers minus 11 and a half against the Kings. Um, Sacramento has been an absolute joke since they've traded away Tyrese Halliburton and kind of have gone all in. They are, they're one of four against the spread in their last five games. And the only game that they covered was against the Rockets who are the worst team in the West. And so if you look, if you look at the way that they're playing Los Angeles, they have, they have Paul George back. They've covered in two of their last three. I think this is a, this is a spot for the Clippers to get a little bit of, of momentum. Um, you know, coming into coming into the um, into into the playing tournament, and so I'm I'm really excited to see them. I think that they can handle um, what's the name. I, I think that they can handle Sacramento. I I think they can too. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like they're unless unless they just feel bored. But mm-hmm. they know that that these games are important. That you want to build something towards towards the playing game as well. And Sacramento's mailed it in for a long time. So I like that yeah. play on the board over at Wimbet. Uh, with the Clippers minus 11 and a half. I mentioned it a little bit earlier as one of the three guys that I think still have a chance to catch up with Scotty Scheffler, but I still believe in Shane Lowry. I like the fact that this is a familiar spot for him uh, right near the top of the leaderboard, playing really well on that Friday, shooting a 68, four under uh, on Friday. And I, I really feel like if not for Tiger Woods making the cut and Scotty Scheffler just going nuts on the back nine, yesterday that Shane Lowry 68 would have been one of the major stories of the tournament. Uh, He's as locked in as he's been before a terrific round of golf on Friday. And I wrote about it a little bit over at Betsided that he's only missed four fairways to the first 36 holes. Like he's driving it really well. He leads the field in strokes gained off the tee. Um, This is a situation that is familiar for him because the last time he was this close um, heading into a Saturday at a major, it was 2019. He ended up, and he ended up winning the whole damn thing. Um, knows Augusta really well, coming off his best performance at Augusta a season ago. And if there is going to be somebody that can come back from five strokes back against Scotty Scheffler, I think Lowry is one of those dudes that has the ability and the steadiness to be able to do it, especially with the tougher wind conditions over at Augusta National. So Shane Lowry plus 1200. Still feel like there's value on the board. Five strokes back heading into Saturday. And that is Bed and Breakfast. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed the return, the triumphant return uh, of the program. Always great, uh, Donovan, to be able to uh, have an opportunity for us to catch up, talk a little hoops, talk a little golf. Uh, Tomorrow, Ian and Reed will be on. Ian, of course, is going to be locked in 
on all that Masters coverage. And uh, Reed will have a great perspective, especially with his Brooklyn Nets uh, headed towards the play-in game. So plenty more opportunities uh, to get some good betting knowledge. And yeah, boo, boo, boo Brooklyn. You know, for, boo for Brooklyn. Screwing up this, this whole first-round matchup uh, that's likely coming with them in the Milwaukee Bucks. So for my guy Donovan, I'm Ben. Hope all of your bets hit today. You guys will see the show again tomorrow for a brand new episode of Bed and Breakfast. We'll talk to you then. So long. Thank you.